The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show and RTE Radio 1 Extra with me, Tara Lockery-Grant. This is the show where we look at areas such as health, fitness, food, fashion, travel, living, motors and everything else in between, a lot of human interest areas. We're in winter. This is an interview that I really think is an important one to do because it's this time of year. The heating is on a lot and we're continually trying to moisturise, keep the kids moisturised, especially if you're getting them, letting them out there in the open and trying to walk to school. The rest of us, whether you're on bikes or just walking or just living in Ireland as we get ready for the, the, the kind of busy Christmassy and winter season. Eczema and psoriasis, two areas that affect a huge number of people. But what to do? There's a lot of myth. There are a lot of, as a, as a mum of two children with eczema, it, there are a lot of myths out there around it. And um, a lot of things that we're not really sure should we do. A lot of worries about things like steroids or whether it's contagious or what sort of creams or should you put, um, get a pop sock and fill it up full of oats and put it in the bath. Loads of things that we're not really sure about. Well, one woman who really does know all about this and you may have seen or will see the interview up on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RT News Now app all about this is Celine Daly who's a clinical nurse specialist. Celine, thanks so much for coming in. No problem. Thank you for having me. Listen, delighted. I have of course an ulterior motive in this because <laughs> as I said there's so two of my kids so Alex yeah. who's the eldest guy and then the um, the next guy had both had eczema. Mm-hmm. So what percentage of the population Celine do have this? Uh, we don't have exact numbers. We think one in every four children has eczema but nobody's actually count it because not everyone presents to their GP or their dermatologist when they have eczema. So we know it's increasing. We know it's a common skin It's increasing. Disease. It's increasing yeah. rapidly. We don't exactly know why. We have theories about this. First of all, there's the hygiene theory that oh, we're too clean. Yes. So when I say too clean, I mean that we're using too many products like bubble baths and shower gels and that as children we were exposed mouth and nose onto carpets that came from Persia, that the dust flew off. Everyone shared the same bottle. Everyone shared plates. There was no dishwashers. There was no steaming anything. Celine, my mother has mm-hmm. just fallen in love with you. Oh, yeah, yes. I, I'm, 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 I'm one of 12 and she is probably <laughs> oh now speaking to you on the radio. Yes, she's yes, listening yes. To this. Yeah, yeah. So we had, and, and smoky rooms, if anyone remembers smoky rooms. Okay, not a good thing, but certainly as children, we were exposed to a lot more allergens. But now we're healthier, our diets are better, and certainly we get more of these what's known as atopic diseases. That's eczema, asthma and hay fever. Eczema, asthma and, and hay fever. fever. So the three go together. So they're genetic conditions which are passed down through family members. So if you had asthma or hay fever, your child can have eczema. All three, two or one depending. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So give us that again because I did have hay fever. Hay fever. Do yes. have hay fever. And it may be seasonal. So sometimes mm. you get hay fever one year maybe not yes, the second year. Yes. You can have allergic rhinitis as well. Kind of like a drippy nose yes. thing. So these are known as so atopic pretty. conditions. So yeah. pretty. Yeah. Um, but if you have any ATP or atopic conditions you can pass that down through to, to your children. So we know for example my daughter Grace she's 11 she has eczema so I passed it down through my line down to Grace. Mm. Um, so we do know however and there's been a lot of research in this field and a lot of research going on in the UK at the moment about eczema as well which is looking very promising I suppose the first thing the research has looked at which has found the, the myths yes. so one big myth is softening your water if you've soft water you won't have as bad your eczema won't be as bad that's a myth they did a huge study called the sweat study in the UK about 2006 the results came out and they softened the water of a thousand homes in the UK and they left the water neutral in the rest of the homes another thousand homes they found it made no difference wow. to 
children with eczema. Because where in the country, just if people are listening to this mm-hmm. and thinking that, where in the country do we have soft water and hard water? It do depends, we know? even in towns, it okay. differs. Okay, but again, good. there was all that theory, oh, my, I live in a hard water area, yes. so my eczema is worse. No, in fact, that doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Good to know. Good to know. Um, and so I love as well, we were talking, weren't we, off yeah. air about this and I was, everything I asked you, you knew the, you know, we were talking through and you knew the answer to and yes. you say, but I know nothing else. That's the problem. So when it comes to what car insurance to get, when it comes to politics, if you ask me anything about USA politics, I have no clue Well, look, whatsoever. we have the right woman here with so, us for this. So what <laughs> are the other common, common myths? The common myths would be things like we were talking about oatmeal in the bath as well. Actually, people used to put porridge oatmeal in That's the bath. Right. But the act that the crust outside the oatmeal can carry bacteria, it can be handled by somebody in a factory who may be handling nuts, for example. And if your child is sensitive and has has some food allergies they actually get sensitised through broken skin not through their mouths so you know your children are not neat eaters when they start to wean on food and they're feeding themselves which is fantastic the food is literally all around their mouths but if the skin is broken the food the food shouldn't be going through skin it should be going in your mouth but if your skin is broken all kinds of weird things happen especially when you have eczema so food can actually be absorbed through your skin and that's where you get food allergies or food sensitivities from include egg Mostly. Oh, um, Isleen, mm-hmm. the, the AJ, so the seven-year-old, yes. has my seven-year-old has had an egg allergy, which he's since yes. grown out of. Yes. But he is severely allergic to nuts, oh, uh, yes. uh, uh, peanuts, and yes. we are EpiPen carriers. Good. So yeah. is there that? Is there any connection? Absolutely. So again, this atopy, so more children with eczema will have food allergies. But a lot of parents, that's the first thing they jump on. They yes, want food allergy testing. They want allergy testing. But that's not the focus with eczema. Eczema. The focus is to actually heal the skin so we don't get more food allergies. Wow. So eczema is the first of the atopic diseases. Eczema normally appears at six months old. Right. And then you get your asthma at two and you get your hay fever around five. But eczema out of control increases the chance of developing asthma and oh hay fever subsequently. God. So if the skin is broken and allergens and bacteria and viral infections and food and fragrance and perfumes are going into the broken skin, that's going to make the eczema worse and also flare. And it's called the atopic march. Do you know what you've done? Mm. You have made a very what was because I've had a lot of information over the years on this. Yes. Can you imagine? From oh, the eldest yes. guy, mm-hmm. you have made a very complex uh, amount of information because it's uh, and a lot of contrary information. Mm-hmm very simple mm-hmm. would you believe what they're doing at the moment in the UK is they're actually refeeding kids with food to desensitise them to it so for immunology. example immunology yes. so example we do something called RAST testing now we don't do it that commonly it's a blood test that shows you if you're allergic or you have been sensitised to a certain food now if I have a child who presents to me and they're red and they're crusty and they're itchy scratchy all over and I do a RAST test on them they will be allergic to everything, everything effectively if you treat that child and repeat that RAST test you will get a different result so it's not actually a true food allergy result. Now, if a child with eczema eats an egg and becomes instantly within 20 minutes red and scratchy, yes, you don't feed them the egg again. But what they're doing actually in the Ever. UK at the moment, um, well, well, this baked, is where you're getting this is where the we're yes. That's what so, we did. Exactly. Yeah. So baked egg is always fine. So if you eat say, like a custard that's baked or a bread, that egg should be fine. In Crumlin, a couple of years ago, they did a study on food allergies in children with moderate to severe eczema. And what they found from about 1500 children. It'll come to me now yes. in one yeah, minute. No, 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 I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> um, on. Professor Alan Irvine. Well done. Yeah. And um, he actually conducted this study, and it's 1500 children, and they found that 
actually only 35% of them had a true food allergy. And of those food allergies, the most common was egg. And mm-hmm. dairy was only 2%. Milk gets the blame all the it time. It really does. But it's not. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that I get parents presenting to me where they've started a gluten-free diet for their child or a dairy-free diet for their child. And remember, we must build up our bone density in our youth. So you do need normal foods. Like you need to be able to go to your local supermarket and do your shopping for everybody. Not specific supermarkets getting gluten-free products, which are very expensive to buy. Because in eczema, again, going back to how we treat it, we need to treat it topically. We need to use total emollient therapies and topical steroids. And I suppose the, the, where the, all this good research has come from has been looking at why we have eczema. And what eczema is, is an impaired skin barrier, two things, an impaired skin barrier, so the skin isn't working properly. And you have an inflammatory process underneath the skin as well. So if you can imagine, if you, if I took a skin biopsy from my lovely daughter Grace and put a little piece of her skin put under a microscope and took some of my skin and put under a microscope, I would see that Grace has very little of something called filagrin or a protein on top of her skin. And filagrin makes your skin like a suit of armour, basically. Wow. So, you know, if I um, rubbing on creams or perfume, putting on perfume on my skin, my skin acts like a suit of armour. It keeps it on the outside. Bacteria doesn't come into my skin onto the lower levels because I have this Brilliant. protein, this suit of armour on top of my skin all the time. But Grace doesn't. So uh, fragrance, dog hair, dander, cats, heat, uh, that kind of thing goes down to Grace's lower levels wow. of her skin and triggers off this inflammatory process. And that's what happens. The skin gets itchy, it gets red and that's what's going on with eczema. So what we need to do is to build up the skin barrier. Mm-hmm. And if we build up the skin barrier, not alone do we repair the skin, we also protect the child from developing further diseases like asthma and Brilliant. hay fever. Because we forget the skin is an organ. It's an organ of your body so and a very important Just explain one. that in again, what, Celine, how important that is. It's an organ. It's and an what, organ. How should we treat it? A functioning organ of your body. And we know that there's about 2,000 skin diseases that we know of that oh, you can have. Geez. Now, mostly it's the psoriasis, mm. eczema, acne. Skin cancer is a huge problem in this country as well. So they're the most common things that we see coming in. But we do have a cohort of people who would have psoriasis and eczema that would be ex- severe including children and they require hospitalisation frequently for infections and sometimes for example in psoriasis if you get something called erythrodermic psoriasis that can be really serious Mm -hmm. and it warrants hospital admission and patients can can actually go into shock with erythrodermic psoriasis if all your skin isn't working properly you don't have something called thermoregulation so you're losing heat all the time our bodies are so clever and our skin is a part of that and it keeps your body temperature at this beautiful 37 degrees all the time or 36.5 to 37 degrees and the body just ticks over like that it's almost like the engine of a car Mm -hmm. so the body ticks over at this temperature if that temperature gets too hot the body doesn't work properly so if the skin lets out too much water and you don't have this thermoregulation where you're cooling and you're heating yourself up you actually can go into shock and become very very ill so we have had a very very few but a few patients who become very ill and warrant hospital admission many many years ago there was a hospital called Hume Street in Dublin just around the corner from Shelburne so often people from the country because I'm from Sligo um, they would come to Hume Street for weeks on end with psoriasis or with eczema and have topical treatments applied to their skin because I've seen that building obviously mm. passed many 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 hundreds of thousands yeah. of times what does it look after like what, why was that was it, was it a skin purely skin and are it was all psoriasis skin cancer eczema and all topical treatments that were used on patients and now in nursing and in medicine in general we always have an outpatient mentality because people do far better in their own homes anyway Anyway, we don't like admitting people for weeks on end to a hospital bed, especially children yes. and taking away from their families. So it's 
it's not a good model of care. Also, we've developed some medications, not so much for eczema, but certainly for psoriasis that are drugs. So they're they're drugs you can take at home. Okay. They're either tablets or they're injectable therapies. We also do something called phototherapy, but on an outpatient basis. So people come in, they leave work for half an hour, hop into their dermatology department, their local one, and get this phototherapy light treatment for psoriasis. Mm. So things have changed an awful lot. Uh, yeah, I want to mm. ask you about, is it not how, um, flagrant? Filagrin, yeah, Filagrin. this protein. How d- can you replicate that and how do we build it? They're trying to and that's where the research has gone on for the last 10 years looking at how can we can we have a vaccine for eczema almost yes. to protect it, to make this filagrin. Mm. It's extremely complex body immune response and it's so, and as you said, I'm explaining because I like to break things down for myself to understand yeah. them. So when I bring a parent in to, to my clinic in Sligo, in Sligo Hospital where I work as a clinical nurse specialist, I sit them down for half an hour or an hour and we go through everything first of all we go through the myths to debunk all the myths then I tell them what eczema is and then we go through a very practical regime and I actually put the moisturiser and the topical steroids that are prescribed on the babies with the parent to show them exactly how to do it because when you're verbal and you're explaining things and this is my bread and butter as we said you know can't insure the car but I can do this Um, if I'm explaining it verbally that's fine if a parent is exhausted frightened worried muscle memory um, give me muscle memory oh yes absolutely I see it and I see my baby in front of you and you're doing it and you're putting hands on then I understand it but verbally you can't do you know what Celine I'm picturing you with that mum a parent dad who's up the walls as you said I was that person I was that soldier Mm -hmm. where my then um, AJ at six months was of, 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 of all of the kids he was is I've never seen a baby mm-hmm. um, whose skin was that bad in person. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you see it in television. You're yes. watching these shows. Mm-hmm. So it got so bad so mm-hmm. quickly as soon as I stopped breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So what, where's our, what's your view on that? The, the, and this is the problem. Eggs normally occurs around six months anyway. So we normally wean it around six months because that's yes. when we're going back to work. So it's that coincidental period of time. Also, babies work off their mother's own mature immune system until they're six months old. So your baby yes. would have had your very mature immune system. We would have got measles, mumps. We can get vaccinated you know we got all the diseases we got sick as kids so your immune system needs to be built up you have to be sick and actually it's really healthy to see a child with that runny nose with the coffin we get terrified when we see kids that are sick actually that's a really good thing because you're actually building up this suit of armour this thing we call the immune system and unless it's stimulated your child will never be healthy and well when I was a student nurse when we went to to do peds many moons ago now (laughs) and I was as sick as a dog for three weeks I had every Everything. And you know, touch wood, I don't get sick now Thank because God. I'm so exposed. That's and I was all so the exposed. Who were sick all the kiddies yes. who were sick. They and you wanted get this, you to get in there and get Absolutely. You get, this, yeah. you get this metal immune system. And our kids need to do that too. So it's healthy to see a sick child. So when your baby is born, they don't get colds and coughs and flus before six months. They're healthy because they have a mature immune system. Then they switch their own one on around four, six months, which is around weaning time. And which is the time we go back to work as well. And we can put it down to that too. You know, you're leaving them in creches or babysitters. Yes and that can be difficult but they're just turning on their own very immature immune system it needs to be stimulated so the skin's immune system doesn't mature until you're about 18 years old so kids tend to what we call grow out of eczema at around 10 years old so it tends to be really bad from 6 months to 18 months then they're not too bad around 5 tend to grow out of it but it tends to come back when you're doing like the leaving cert or the junior cert sometimes mm-hmm. but that's where we're coming in and this new study in the UK some of the good stuff we were talking about something called the BEEP study so if 
if you Google the Beep study, you'll see all the information on it. It's across 16 centres in the UK. It's um, it's recruited 1,600 people for the study and it's looking at, you know, using soap substitutes and moisturisers on children with this A to P history in their family. So say when you were in with your babies and you were having your antenatal checks, you would have been asked any history of heart That's disease, right. any history of, but you weren't asked any history of skin disease, asthma or hay fever. So what they're doing is they're asking expectant mums, is there any history of Brilliant. asthma, hay fever, eczema? If they have, they're offering them to be in the study. So from the day one, when the baby is born, they're moisturised daily and they use soap substitutes. And what they're finding is, and this is the preliminary results, they're finding a 50% reduction in the eczema instance with this cohort who use moisturisers and soap substitutes from day one if there's a history of A to B in the family. And that's really exciting. It is exciting. When I had my children, we were always advised, oh, never give any food before six months. Actually, what they're doing now is saying, start that. weaning a bit early. And again, it's linked to this A to P. We should be exposing our kids to more food and then they wouldn't have the sensitivities. For example, in Israel, there's hardly, there's literally zero peanut allergy because they eat peanuts nonstop. They eat nut-based food an awful lot from the get-go. So this is where this immunology that we're talking about, where we're doing controlled feeding or desensitisation for food. And it's going on in the UK. Again, I don't recommend anyone start doing this at home in their own kitchen as an experiment. This is is a very specialised field. That's medically supervised. Mm, Absolutely. But but under the right circumstance and when they're looking at different populations, even in the USA, you don't see, you see like they have Reese's Pieces and they have peanut butter sandwiches now. But we have a peanut free zones in, our, in Europe now at the moment. we were told as pregnant mm. mothers, uh, do give the nut, eat nuts yourself, yes. don't eat nuts yourself, yes. do eat fish yourself, don't. Yes. The rules change, but now it's eat. Now it's eat. So okay. if eat the, the best nuts. thing is to take advice from your midwife or yeah. your visiting public health nurse. Okay. But certainly what I say to the mother, please don't feel guilty about any of this. Yeah. We all do our best and we're all just trying our best and you go on the advice of the time yes. and that's all you can that's do. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Some other myths, um, I can ask mm-hmm. you a bit about it. Um, things like our fear in Ireland, possibly the world, steroid creams. Yes. And this is a huge problem for us and it's actually it's called steroid phobia. Yeah. Now, the problem with steroid, the problem or the side effects of steroids and steroids have been around for umpteen years before we were born and topical steroids we know cause two things if they're used incorrectly. One is skin thinning and the other is strea or stretch marks. Now, this occurs when we use strong steroids in the wrong areas over a long period okay. of time. So steroids are on prescription for that reason. The problem is steroids have got this really, really bad rap. But they do. They do. But we we know that topical steroids and their use, when we use them appropriately and on prescription, that they actually bring down the eczema, they bring down the reactions, particularly in children, and then they stop the child from developing this atopic march. So therefore, they, they heal the skin over a long period of time and then they stop the child from developing asthma or hay fever or reduce the instance of eczema. So the more you heal the skin, the more that child is able to, say, go out in the snow or, you know, maybe go swimming, you know, whereas if a child has broken skin, they go in swimming, they could flare for two or three weeks yes. there then after. But the more the skin is healed by using topical steroids appropriately, and by using total emollient therapies then the more the child is able to withstand heat and cold Brilliant. like we have now at the moment. So steroids, we usually like them in ointments in everybody. Steroid creams and ointments are different. So an ointment looks like jelly when it's squeezed out of the tube and a cream looks white. Creams tend to have more preservative in them and they can irritate skin of children with eczema. So we don't like using creams in steroid formulations. We like using steroid ointments. We use very weak 
steroids in Ireland. Yes, they're like point zero. Yeah, so one percent hydrocortisone for the face, and something like Umavit ointment on prescription only. So it's monitored all the time. So we count the number of tubes you use. We monitor it, and we 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 like people to use them twice a day until the skin looks normal. Not twice a day for five days or two days or three days. The skin twice a day until the skin looks normal because topical treatments heal from the outside in. If you take a tablet, really handy. It's absorbed and it does its thing for whatever disease you're prescribing it for. But with topical treatments, it works on the outside in. So when you see the eczema is almost gone, you think, oh, it's gone. I'm going to stop my steroid use straight away. You can't because you have to t-shirt the dose down. If you stop it immediately, then you get this kind of throwback where the eczema flares up again. So you need to make sure the eczema is completely healed before you start reducing down your steroid. So I always start twice a day, reducing down to once a day when you see it's healed, then every second day and then stopping Ooh. because if you stop blind then it's just going to rebound back again very that's fast great. so you probably heard my reaction there yeah. going, God, I have not been doing that oh yes yeah. and that's where we get problems using it for five days using it then and then it comes back and then you're back on again so they've actually tested the amount of topical steroids parents use and they find when you use it twice a day teetering the dose down as I explained that you use far less steroids over a five and ten year period and if you just said it so well this child who's six months perfect breastfed everything's brilliant then wham you get this red skin all over a child like that will use topical steroids for many weeks until they're probably 18 months and that's okay Okay. Uh, as long as it's been monitored by your dermatologist or by your GP the more moisturiser you use the less steroid you'll have to use the more soap substitutes and the less times you use soap or bubble baths you shouldn't use soap at all now let's go into that the soap Mm -hmm. substitutes yes like I say to people when they come into that to really get this across um, soap to somebody with eczema is like sugar to a diabetic. Wow! So uh, I stop saying wow. But yeah, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> but people analogy. with diabetes, they can't have sugar. Kit Kat, you can't have a sneaky Mars bar because your sugars are going to go <laughs> yeah. up. So when you have eczema, you can't have a sneaky bar of soap. You can't go to <laughs> hotel and say, "I'm going to use my bubbly lovelies here." And really, that includes stuff that the fabulous stuff that you get in sets over Christmas, for example. So I have a lot of patients with eczema, adults who get beautiful sets, beautifully fragrant stuff. That to eczema is, I is keep dynamite. Talking eczema, but also to psoriasis. Oh, also to psoriasis, yes. yes, absolutely. So soap substitutes are key. Now, not just what you're washing your body with, also what you're washing your hair with as well. Of and if you're an older person and you're a man, what you're shaving with, what you're shaving your face with as well. So it all has to be soap-free, parabens-free, preservative-free, so that it's not going to irritate the eczema. It's funny that you just said there, and if you're a man, what you're shaving with and what you shave your face with as well. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> exactly whatever you're having yourself yeah good one I knew you'd in the say run that. up to Christmas I knew you'd say that <laughs> but come here I just had to say it but no Celine you're right so look people know do you, mm-hmm. they just give them re-gift them or whatever they say re-gift um, it but uh, do you, it's not for yes. you and people know that I suppose if they're adults at that stage but for us as adults with their children soap substitutes what kind of thing do you recommend so anything that's soap free now there's a huge amount in the pharmacy it's got now so much better buy. so yeah. much better things you can squeeze out of tubes now Ovel have a fantastic range that's entirely soap free so okay. we're talking shampoos conditioners we're talking shaving kits we're talking facial cleansers have they gone that far because I have been buying their stuff everything I've tried nearly everything to be inclusive honest. of a sunscreen mm. as well with no parabens or preservative that for the never, face or body face and body brilliant it's absolutely a face and they've won specifically for the face do you think we should be using different SPFs for face and body yes I will I would say a full factor 50 45 or 50 for your face okay. definitely because this is out 
365 days of the year. So it's very important to protect from an anti-aging point of view mm-hmm. as well as an anti-skin cancer point of view okay. to protect your skin of your face and your hands because yes. your hands age as well and your okay. hands can give you away a lot yes. of the time. So it's no, important to do the hands and the face whatever's out all the time and 30 or 50 for your body as well. The most common form of cancer in Ireland is skin cancer. Mm-hmm. So we have to be so mindful of it and the good news about skin cancer is it's preventable. It's caused by overexposure to UV light or radiation. That's the sunlight. Some beds are sunlamps. So never use sunbeds ever. But also, especially their children, to educate them, to get them from the 1st of March to the end of September using a sunscreen daily. Great. So brush the teeth, put on sunscreen. Good woman. Mm. Slip, slap, slap as they used to say. Slip, slap, slap. Stay in America or in Australia. Yes. It goes worldwide. With the SPF, I think the the, uh, thicker one for the body and the ones for the face maybe as well uh, the high factor the high factor but also not as thick because they won't block pores the, exactly and some 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 of them are waterproof and this is the thing I like about the, the, the SPF we were talking about with the Ovel some of them are waterproof and they can block the pores and children can get dehydrated pretty fast with yes. them as well especially the thick um, the thick formulations so the great thing now is we've got sprays we've got lotions we've got creams that are not that real thick you know greasy and if you have acne as well sometimes they can block the pores so now there's an awful lot of fantastic formulations and even though they say in some of them as well God, I have so much to get through to you Celine before we run out of time mm-hmm. but even though they say once a day often if the kids are back oh, out of the pool back yeah, on I, we don't agree with once a day because there's no product on the market that protects you all day against UVA it does against <coughs> UVB so you won't burn but your body's burning is a way of your body saying oh you need to get in here you've, you've just done some serious damage that's again your body being clever it burns you it tans you to tell you you've done some damage tan is damage yeah. so it burns you to say you've done some an awful lot of damage but if you're not burning then you've no way of knowing I'm absorbing UVA rays so we've got UVB and UVA rays UVA rays age you and they cause skin cancer as well so any product you buy has to be reapplied in direct light every two hours regardless now the next thing that I want to ask you is we know um, with psoriasis it can also lead and again we'll have more of this in the article it can lead Mm -hmm. to other conditions as you're older yes there are different types something we call comorbidities with psoriasis and this is the exciting thing about psoriasis when we're talking about developments as well Um, so we know that 30% of people with psoriasis will develop something called psoriatic arthropathy which is the arthritis associated with psoriasis and it can be degenerative so it's really important if you have psoriasis if you've got a pain in your heel if your joints are stiff if you've got pain in your knees that you go to your GP for a referral to a rheumatologist it's so important because if you let that go on you'll find that your joints get worse and worse and then they're damaged we need to protect our joints and would mm. you know that you have it because of your skin yes okay. so you, if you just it's a skin rash where you get plaques raised plaques which are red or pink in colour which have a white silvery scale on top and if we have stiffness of the joints a pain in our heel if we have those symptoms of stiff joints it's important to go to your GP Great. and ask for a referral to a rheumatologist there are medications that are safe that you can go on which protect your joints Good from this inflammatory know. disease so also we know that about 60% of people with psoriasis will have um problem with their weight they'll have obesity they'll have hypertension and they'll have these cluster of diseases that cause heart disease basically so if you have severe psoriasis you're more likely to have heart disease now again it's because there's a lot of inflammation running around the body so in psoriasis we get new skin every six weeks but when you have psoriasis you get new skin every three days so the body's just making more skin the immune system of the skin is telling the body to make more skin and these skin cells are immature that's why they look 
funny. They look white and silvery skilly because they're immature. They haven't had the chance to process. Wow. They're pushed up from the bottom of the skin to the top. So they're white and they're silver and scaly and they're red because it's an inflammatory disorder going on here as well. Gosh. So you have a lot of inflammation around the body which causes things like the arthritis and the heart disease as well. So we also know that people with, with psoriasis get more depression and anxiety. And the problem is that, you know, we have it's, it's such a huge issue of mental health in Ireland. And thankfully, I think people are addressing it more now. But it's so important if you have feelings of anxiety or depression or negative emotions that you go to your GP for a chat, just to have a chat about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And do you mm-hmm. know what, with these conditions, easy for me to say mm. here, but, you know, I, I, I have with my looking at the yes. kids. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Just get the, you it know, go get the help that, that you done need. Something. Absolutely. It is have, terrible to have to suffer. It is terrible. Mm. And the problem is, as well, the people are well-meaning sometimes and sometimes kind of downright mean at other times say things to people with psoriasis particularly like, like what? what's your skin disease they're but we've had patients who've been asked to leave a swimming pool because oh, they felt there was a, yeah, sake. felt it was infectious. It's not infectious. You cannot catch it. It's Go ignorance. look it up. Do mm-hmm. before you insult somebody. And really, yeah. really interesting. They did a happiness this, in Copenhagen. They do, do this happiness institute, which sounds like a wonderful yeah, place to work. I, I think I've heard a couple of stats <laughs> yes. coming from that. Yeah. Yes, and they're just such happy people. And in Ireland, <laughs> we're not happy people. And apparently, in Ireland, people Irish people with psoriasis are more depressed, have more loneliness, and feel more anxious. And this is from October, actually last month's. Um, research are more lonely than people worldwide with psoriasis so Irish people with psoriasis tend to suffer a bit more than people worldwide with psoriasis and 80% of them said it was down to other people not knowing about their skin disease so you did huge promotion this year for World Psoriasis yes, Day Celine, and to we, it, that was really really good the problem is with HSE services sometimes I know it can be hard to get in and there can be some negative kind of press around HSE services but in dermatology terms we're very passionate about what we do and we're certainly very passionate about chronic diseases like eczema and psoriasis but I can see it talking to you even when I when you walked <laughs> in and to be honest Celine I have to ask you this because you look absolutely fantastic you're a busy working mum of two up in Dublin mm. and working away all day and st- you look like a model mm. have you any tips for us do you know it's moisturising it yeah. really is getting a good moisturiser so it's that thing what's out your decolletage yes, very I posh for your chest yeah. your chest your ears your face and your hands that's what's on show mm. most of the time you want to look good for the age that you're at so my advice simple very gentle cleanser don't use toners do not use baby wipes to wash your face no in, in, in your circle, unless you're at a festival wipe. and stuck in, uh, really, no, unless really you're really stuck yes <laughs> you hop, you're topping and tailing and you're really stuck uh, <laughs> by all means do um, but don't use any preservative end of things use a good moisturiser hyaluronic acid is a great product that's available in a lot of things now glycolic acid is a brilliant product in small amounts in rejuvenating cleansers great and it's actually quite cheap to get it and get that sunscreen on your okay, face good. whatever you do I do not honestly use wanted to pull my head instead of having your phones on I wanted to pull my hair over my face so that you wouldn't see anything oh please you holidays. look fantastic oh thank god makeup but no <laughs> Celine thank you so much that thank is you. Celine Daly clinical nurse specialist and you can find out more and get in touch with Celine on CelineDailySkinCare.com and also that's the website and also on Facebook Celine Daily Skincare that's it from me Tara Lockery-Grant you can read more on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app and follow us on Facebook Twitter Instagram we'd love to see you there thank Thanks a million for listening and I'll see you next time and talk to you then. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.